The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino and joining me today are Rich Noonan and Steve Richardson. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hello. Thanks for uh, asking me back. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you. Um, but <sighs> I'm heartbroken. It was just a couple nights ago, a night and a half ago, a day and a half ago. Niners hosted in Arizona. I still stumble over that. The Buffalo Bills, who are definitely an up-and-coming team over the last few years, and boy, did they show it. Am I right, guys? Yeah, it's it's one of those funny ones. So the the podcast, the other podcast that I uh, uh, regularly appear on, uh, the the Long Snapper podcast, one of our guys is a nine uh, is a Bills fan, and he's basically been the most miserable man for oh. ever. And so he's really enjoying this like sudden coming to form, and I don't blame him. They look really good. The Bills have been there or thereabouts for the last couple of years, and they've been a big team this year. They've been with a team that's up and coming, and everyone's suddenly taking notice of. And yeah, we talked ourselves into the fact that we might stand a chance if we can get the running game going. <laughs> Shut that down fairly quick, didn't they? Yeah, um, I think we had a total of 86 rushing yards. It's the strangest <laughs> that's not thing. very good. <laughs> I don't understand. This has been a thing that's happened a couple of times this year because the Bills have a notoriously bad run defense. I talked to Mark about this before the game, and he said that was his biggest concern was we've got a great rushing attack. Their run D has been pretty awful we had the same thing at seattle where we felt pretty good about our abilities in the air and nothing we couldn't do anything it's it's crazy i feel i almost feel like it's um hashtag 2020 (laughs) 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 this football season has definitely summarized what 2020 has been like since mid-march hasn't it yeah i mean i was watching the game and i'm sat there thinking why are we trying to run it up the gut when we, there's nothing there? It's obviously that there's nothing there. Why not just try bouncing it out to the outside? We've got the speed for the sweeps and the just running round, but nothing happened. We kept trying to just charge up the gut, and they appeared to be ready for that. We didn't even try and run the ball as much as I'd expected to. You look at... Mostert and Wilson were the, the main two backs and their averages are 4.7 and 6.7 which is decent to very good and yet we didn't seem to ever lean on that and we absolutely should have we did less than 20 rush attempts <clears throat> right out of 61 snaps I think we had I was looking at stats somewhere else mm-hmm. so that's one in three plays was a rush and that's supposed to be our strength yeah, I mean, I understand once you go a couple of scores down, you're then going to throw the ball a bit more. But in that first half, we just didn't seem to be willing to, to use the run game in the way that Shanahan normally does. And I don't understand why, I'm with Steve on this 100%, why up the gut when there was a perfectly beautiful hole, I'm thinking of that play heading towards the, the goal line near the end of the second 
quarter, I think it was Wilson had the ball. It might not have been, but um, one of the running backs had the ball and did it again, went right up the gut. And if you look at that play, there was a beautiful hole right next to him. If he had just done like a quick half turn, he could have gone and, and made for daylight there. To be fair, we were so bad in the red zone. <laughs> it was painful to look at. Well, it was. those opening, the opening two drives of the game were just utterly bizarre. Both teams getting stopped on the one yard line and oh, turnovers on downs. <laughs> weird. But at least we then got the ball back almost immediately after we turned it over on downs. And that was a moment where I thought this might be our night. When you think about, you know, you turn it over on downs, you then get the ball straight back and then beautiful throw. That that Oyuk, um touchdown, the, oh. the, the cut that he made for that was awesome. The, the DB had absolutely no chance. And Samuel made a couple good catches too. Yeah, Debo didn't seem to get used as much as I thought he would. I mean, to be fair, I mean, it was just lovely having those two guys out there. Because you know they're young, you know they're learning, and you know they're going to be around for a while. Well, and the nice thing is you're seeing a piece of the, a glimpse of the future. You know, if we can lock these guys up, I think they're both going to have a great career as a duo. This is the thing with these two. I mean, Debo's only in his second season, and I looks like a very, very good receiver already, having played, what, twelve ga- less than 12 games, obviously, because mm-hmm. he missed a few at the start of the season. I, I genuinely can see these two being very, very productive for us. And they are the bright spots right now. I think that's the thing about this season is, I hate to say it, but it's probably a lost season now. Oh, yeah. But getting those two going and, and having them have a full rest of the season of experience, I think is really important. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think when was the last time I got excited over a wide receiver in 49er <laughs> colours? Well, we um, haven't drafted one in the first round since a certain uh Oh, certain don't bust. say that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't say that name. We will have to get the sensor machine out again. Well, and I think... <laughs> <laughs> That's for you who have been around a long time. Um I think the one thing I know I love hearing from my husband, because he's very, you know, he's definitely a Niner fan, absolutely, but he's one of these guys, he he says he's not superstitious, but, you know, he'll go putter in the garage if it means the Niners will do well, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but watching my husband, who, you know, has been very critical of, of the coaching staff, been very critical of the quarterbacking, especially Garoppolo with his timing and his not having that quick release, Watching my husband get excited to have Ayuk on the team. And, I mean, every time Ayuk was going for a ball, he's like, look at him. He's going for the ball. He's got hands. How long has it been since we've had a receiver with hands? And I'm like, yeah, it, it's, it feels like it's been a while. And, of course, I go, all right, you know, that what is what was that? Was that Owens was our last hands guy? And he looks at me and goes, um, excuse me, Bolden was a hands guy. <laughs> oh, I love Dan Kwan. Me too. What a player. But it's fun getting ex- seeing people get excited about new players, you know, the players that we were pretty certain we'll be able to keep around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be our big off-season discussions and what we're going to be watching is who we can and can't keep. Yeah. 
Well, the interesting thing there is that the the offense feels now more settled than the defense from that perspective because a lot of our offensive players are young guys or they're guys like Moster who we basically we found a gem who works in our system. Um, you've only you've only got to see what happens when some of those players go elsewhere and disappear. All of a sudden, you realize that Shanahan does a lot with what he has, and he knows the kinds of players that he wants. Uh, but I think that that feels more settled, and I'm sure we'll talk about quarterbacks at some point. I know of you've course. had this discussion several times already. And we'll keep having it. Yeah. The other piece for me, we had seven penalties in that game, including a really crappy one by Richard Sherman. That cost us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the one that I really was very unhappy about was, uh, and I think the turning point of the game at seventeen ten, uh, and it's second and eighteen. Allen gets flushed out of the pocket, throws the ball away because he can't find anyone, and then Contavious Street hits him late. Mm, yeah, oh yeah, that didn't help either. And then we have a busted coverage a few plays later, and it's twenty four ten. And then two get two plays after that, Ayuk tips the ball under pressure, and they're they're inside the ten for for a big lead. And that to me felt like, oh, that was that was the moment where I was right up to then. I thought we were right in this. Yeah, but that's been the story of the year, hasn't it? We've right. got ourselves into games, and then we've just unloaded into our foot. Uh, and just sort of bang, there goes a big toe. Bang, there goes a exactly. little toe. Oh, now we're going to start on the other foot. We have shot ourselves in the foot so many times this year in bad situations and just turned the ball over back in our own deep in our own half or just as we're about to score and you look at it and go oh again I do think that Mullins was unlucky on both the interceptions I don't think either of them can really be counted as on him maybe you can argue that he shouldn't have thrown into Ayuk where he was because Ayuk was under pressure when he tipped it but the second interception where I can't remember which Bills player it was, but the DB just rips the ball away from him. And yeah, like you can't put that on Mullins. I do think we have to give credit to the Bills offense. Their line kept Josh Allen protected all night long. We couldn't get any pressure. I mean, not having a speed rush at all obviously doesn't help, but Allen is looking genuinely quality. He's taken a massive step forward this year. And this was not a one-off game on that. He's looked very good all season long. Um, I, I just think he looked poised. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He he had that great connection with Beasley all game long that just we couldn't oh cover God. it. We, we've lost both our yeah. slot corners. And Dante Johnson is never the answer to any question that involves <laughs> cornerbacking. <laughs> I don't know, he got a cat a pick six a couple of years ago. You know, right. but it was a while ago. <laughs> you get those occasionally when you're a DB that's bad enough that everyone throws your direction. <laughs> but yeah, we couldn't stop Beasley, we couldn't stop Diggs either. No. I mean, Diggs is quality. He's he's one of my favourite wide receivers in the league right now. It was, yeah, it was, they had so much time, to, our backs couldn't cover that long, um, because their offensive line, and the, they were running on us at will as well. They got their offensive line sorted, and they had a scheme or a plan or whatever it was that worked. 
Um, they looked like the better team. And yes, we could have maybe won the game or at least kept it a lot closer if we hadn't made those mistakes or hadn't had the ball bouncing the other way. But it did. And we've got to move on from that. Well, and I think on paper, the stats tell the tale because the two teams are were very, at the moment, at that moment, were very much um, evenly matched. I mean, it, total yardage for the game, Bills had 449 yards, the Niners had 402. Passing-wise, the Bills had 368, the 49ers had 316. Rushing, the Bills had 81, the 49ers had 86. Average yard per play, the Bills were 6.6, the Niners were 6.7. So it was, it's those mistakes and those missed opportunities that cost the game for the Niners. Yeah, and I, the thing for me was I'd started to get that little glimmer of hope back, you know, where you think, well, maybe if we win a tight one here, we can beat the NFC East teams that are remaining. Maybe we get a couple of wins out of our division games. All of a sudden, we sneak into the back end of the playoffs. And now I'm like, no, I don't no. think it's happening. I'm not even feeling confidence against Washington. No, they look, <laughs> well, they look scary at the moment. They look like a team that have got the tails up. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Let's go on to a couple group questions we've got. Gareth Smith wants to know, out of all the free agents we're going to have in our secondary, which ones, if any, would you re-sign? I'd keep Jason Verrett. He's done reasonably well this year. I mean, he's been an injury mm-hmm. question mark for a few, for most of his career, but he's been on the field for most of his, pretty much all of this year, hasn't he? And he's been solid quietly. Yeah. We haven't... Is defensive backs, you don't want to have those names called. Because usually it's for a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd, I'd re-sign Jason for it. I'd, like to, I'd love to keep Jimmy Ward around. I think we've got him locked up anyway. Yeah. Um, I can underst- I fully understand Sherman saying he'd love to stay, but he's probably going to end up somewhere else for budget reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of them I don't know about. For me, I think I I absolutely agree on Verat. I I cannot see any world where we don't re-sign him um, unless unless he turns out to be asking for way way too much money or someone else offers him a huge amount of money. Sherman, I'd love to have back because I think that yes, all of the questions around he's lost maybe half a step and all that kind of stuff is true, but he brings a huge amount of leadership and a huge amount of energy, and I don't honestly see how you get a replacement corner that can be at his level without either splashing out big in free agency, which if we could do that, we'd be signing him anyway, or you've got to bring someone in in the draft. And my concern is we've got quite a few needs near the top of the draft anyway. Mm-hmm. So I I would much rather keep him around. I think from my perspective, he's the best option for a corner at that level even if it's only for another one or two seasons and then I think Tart probably goes because he's gonna he's gonna command decent money on on the free agent market yeah and I, I do like Joukowsky Tart oh me too but I we think <laughs> I think safeties are easier to find replacements for than top level corners mm-hmm. yeah yeah I agree with you on Verrett and Sherman um even though I'm mad at Sherman for making those mistakes this last game because that was so not acceptable. Um, but 
I have said, you know, and I'm going to stand by it, I really want to see him as a Niner coach. I would love to see him as a defensive backs coach. Um, I think the the value he brings to the field as a, I don't know if I want to say a distraction or a deterrent, I feel like that's given Verrett the opportunity. The fact that Sherman is on the field, on the corner, you know, on his receiver, he's giving Verrett and Ward the opportunities to play, and Tart, to play as well as they have played and show what they really have. And so that piece to me is just one of those nuanced things that's that's important you've got that threat that everybody's afraid of oh yeah he's lost a step whatever but okay he made a hell of a grab in the previous game you know a hell of an interception in the previous game he's got the leadership he's got the experience and he's out there on that sideline coaching these guys up during the game yeah you cannot put a price on that and really, it is going to be on him as to whether or not he stays. It really is going to be his decision. You know, he negotiates his own contracts. He negotiated this contract. Um, I think it's really going to come down to what is he willing to give up to stay if he's truly interested in staying. Yeah, he, for me, is a player who improves everyone around him. And mm-hmm. that's I love those players. You just see that everyone just raises their game an extra level because the confidence that they get from having him on the field. So, Paul Marsh, we, there you go. We we do want him anyway. He was asking if uh, Sherm says he's unlikely to return. Do we still want him? And I do. <laughs> if there's if there's money and he's not an object, yeah, I take Sherm. Oh heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing has to make fiscal sense though, too. So. And we know the cap is going to be cut, so we're going to be up against it. Uh, Daniel Jacob Christensen Jr. wants to know who will be our next defensive coordinator. To be honest, I yeah, I, I can see Salah staying. Yes, there's been a lot of hype generated because of last year's defense and the fact that he's managed to get this year's defense playing reasonably well, considering the injuries and such. But Salah, to me, is a hype man. He would motivate, energise, and make the players play better than they would normally. The system itself is like that. Is like the Seattle one, which says, yes, this is what we're going to do. We're still going to come and stop you while we're doing it, because our players are that good. Which is why the first year with Salah as our coordinator, the defence was not a great thing. It wasn't very good because we didn't have the personnel and I think Salah's going to rely on Salah's defence relies on personnel but doesn't every great defence rely on personnel you know you look at the the great Niners defences of the past and we had awesome linebackers and we had you know the cowboy sitting in there and Alden Smith until he he lost it you know there were there were great players on that defence I mean any any great defence for me is always has its big stud players I think Salah I've been on the fence about him since since season one really I'm I'm still not entirely convinced by him but he has shown a willingness in the last season or so to bring in more twists on that defense so we now play a lot more quarters we don't always play single high he will play he's played more man-to-man this year than he's played in the previous couple of years so he is showing willingness to be more flexible in his thinking about a defense and not just be this is how we do it this is all we do so do you guys think that because i'm lo- i'm looking at 
I, I think he's going, to be honest. I think he's going to get a, a coaching job. I think it's going to be Detroit. I think he's sayonara at the end of the year. Um, I think it's probably a year too late. I'm surprised he didn't get picked up this before the beginning of this year, to be honest with you. But could his scheme's inability to stop a running quarterback be a detriment to his getting picked up as a head court, head coach? Depends on the division he goes to. If he goes to the NFC North, then I don't, they don't have that many very mobile quarterbacks in that division. So that's not going to be much of a problem for him. Yeah, I think I think that probably ends up his most likely destination if he does leave is the Lions. And honestly, I think there's enough... People will see enough upside in what he's done with the Niners to to probably overlook that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, if he does end up going, I... You know what? I wouldn't mind seeing Wade Phillips get the job. Really? He did a great job with the Rams. He gets most of the credit for... Obviously, their offense didn't fire during the Super Bowl, but he gets a lot of credit for keeping that Patriots offense basically to almost no points for most of the game. I think he's I think he's very talented. And he would bring some old man experience to <laughs> to that coaching room. Sad thing is, I remember when he was a young man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether he wants to come back because he he wasn't fired from LA, was he? He retired. He was let go. Okay. They he, his contract ended and they didn't ask him back. Basically. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Chris Kachurik might make a good D coordinator because. When he came in, that defensive line suddenly turned right around. Uh, but we had Bosa come in and elevate everyone around him, but the line changed. The basic concepts on the defensive line changed around, and that put us over the edge and over, um, last year. So I think if anyone's going to make the coordinator from within the current staff, it'd be Chris Katurik. That's a good point. The other one that I that I'd consider based on what you've just said that I hadn't really thought about is Joe Woods. If the Browns manage to implode, obviously we wouldn't get him if, if they make a decent playoff run. But I, I love Joe Woods. I think he did awesome things with our DBs while he was at the, at the, um, at the team. Daniel also wants to know, uh, should we, and we're going to get this question like every show <laughs> moving forward, but you know, I've got different panelists. I want to get different opinions. Should we be drafting a quarterback next year? Yes. But not a replacement for Jimmy. I knew I liked you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do genuinely think that I'm starting to have concerns about Jimmy, but not the concerns that a lot of people are voicing. I'm worried about the amount of time he's spending injured. Because Thank it you. doesn't really concern. matter how good he is. If if we can't keep him on the field, if if we go into next season, we lose him for another six or eight games, we'll equally struggle then. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm just not convinced that Mullins is an okay backup, but he's never going to be a guy who can really challenge for that you know that QB spot and really push Jimmy to the next level. And I'd like to see if we can find a gem in the second or third round, maybe that could do that. Basically, you're trying to you want to create another Montana Young 
quarterback room. <laughs> Why not? It works. I've got it. no issue with that, to be honest. I have no problem there. Four, um, four, 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 five Super Bowls between the two of them. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Every other quarterback in our division has got that longevity. Has been on the field all the time. They haven't missed games, so this puts us at a disadvantage within our division if our quarterback can't stay on the field. Yeah, my expectation is they give him next season, see how he does. If he makes the step up that everyone was hoping he would make this year, then he's the long-term guy. If he doesn't, then I think that's the point where we start looking around. Very good. And, you know, I keep hearing Notre Dame has this quarterback these guys are all hot about, but I don't know who he is. I don't watch I don't watch college football. Sorry. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of it, but also I'm very aware of how much hype various different quarterbacks have had coming into the league who have then plummeted without a trace. You can't you can't just that assume too. that whoever we get, even if we if even if we move up to, I don't know, six or eight in the draft, which would cost us a lot. There's no guarantee that that guy's going to actually turn out to be any good. You've been listening to this show, haven't you? Because that's exactly what I say every draft. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's hysterical. It frustra- <laughs> it's a frustration that I have with so many fans that they just assume that Same. we'll just draft a guy and then he'll be the guy. And it's like, that's not how And they'll be works. the savior. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the advantage that we would have with Jimmy if if he is medium good but not great next season is that the ability to cut his contract at a time that suits the team is very helpful in terms of you know like the Chiefs did with Alex where they were like okay cool we found our guy thanks Alex see you later we could do very similar thing with Jimmy if that turns out to be the case that was a trade wasn't it they didn't just let him go was was he traded to Washington I can't remember. Remember? Maybe. (laughs) You know what? I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. It's just been that kind of year. (laughs) Yeah, lockdown brain. I don't remember things anymore. (laughs) I'm essential, so I I have the best of both worlds. Uh, Russell Evans. Okay, he's calling for Sala to Detroit. What about Matt Stafford to the Bay? Too old. Considering the team we have at the moment, which is a lot of young guys... A lot of potential. Someone like Matt Stafford coming in would not be around long enough to really help everyone. And at that point, we're trying to get in another rookie quarterback, someone from the draft, who we're going to have to replace Matt Stafford too quickly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I don't actually have too much of an issue with the idea of bringing Stafford in he's early 30s we've seen quarterbacks play to their mid late 30s pretty regularly in this league um, he's not got a massive injury history concern my bigger issue with Stafford is he's got two years left on his contract and how much does he cost in draft capital to bring him in they're probably going to ask for a first rounder this year or next plus some other other picks and I don't think he's worth that to us Alrighty, I he wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't even going to go there to be honest with you. <laughs> he's he's being bounced around on Niner Twitter Social at the moment media. as an idea. Uh-huh. Um, I yeah. I don't dis. I like him as a player. I think he's I think he's a decent quarterback, and I think Shanahan would use him very well. But I just don't think he's worth the the money. Yeah. 
Well, we are, okay, I'm going to do it again. We are home again in Glendale, Arizona. <sighs> Hashtag 2020. To bring on the <laughs> the Washington football team. Um, and I, I'm giggling because I have the game preview written down as WTF at 49ers. So I can't help but giggle at that acronym. Yes, I'm a 12-year-old inside, okay? <laughs> Sums up our season, really, doesn't it, WTF at 49ers? <laughs> See, they have confirmed the script says WTF at 49ers. <laughs> so the 49ers lead this series all-time 21-11-1 with, I'm sure everybody remembers, the last meeting, last October 20th of 2019, where it was... Oh, so wet and rainy and muddy and sloggy in Maryland. Uh, Proper football weather. <laughs> perfect football weather. Uh, just, no, I just, oh, oh, my main memory of that game is Bosa's celebration at the end. Yeah, Bosa planting the flag. <laughs> I don't know. That was the that was the um, slip and slide. Oh, the slip and slide. Yeah, that was good too. I loved the, the bodies. Yeah, all the body surfing they did that game. That was fun. So, um, Washington has the 26th ranked offense going up against the 49ers 6th ranked defense. But we already saw a pretty sluggish performance by our defense this last week. And we have just said how Washington is kind of coming along. What do we think here, guys? I'm a bit scared because I watched some of the Steelers Washington game before the Niner game and I switched off thinking I need a nap before the game and to be fair Steelers have got this I then wake up start watching the game and they're talking about how Washington came back and beat them and go, what that zarking photon um, so if Washington in turn and knock off the Steelers who were uh, yeah undefeated alright they weren't playing great but they were still undefeated we got problems ahead of us it's going to be heart on heart, I think. It's going to be who wants it more, who's going to put in the extra effort. Is going to be the team that wins. I can see this being a very, very low-scoring game, um, given given the two defences that are, that are in play here. Um, Washington don't score a lot of points. I don't see them having an immense... You know, they're not. This is not going to be a, the game that we had against the Saints last year. Put it that way. Um, I think my biggest, genuinely, my biggest concern is how much Beasley managed to burn uh, Dante Johnson in the slot in the last game because Terry McLaurin plays in the slot a lot for Washington, and he is way more talented than Beasley. However good Beasley has been this year, I worry that they're going to lean on that connection a lot in this game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be concerning. Um, a bright point for us is the fact that Alex Smith is not going to be that mobile. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Josh Allen was running all running away from any kind of pressure we got because there's normally only one or two guys getting through, and he just ran away from them. Alex Smith isn't going to be running away from one or two guys getting through because he's not that kind of quarterback. Yes, he was quite mobile. But I haven't seen him be that mobile since he came back from injury. Yeah, and that leg was basically shattered. He almost lost it. Yeah. yeah. 
the fact that he's on the field playing again is just insane. Honestly, that's one of the happiest things about this game for me is we get to watch Alex Smith play at yeah. quarterback after everything he's been through. I think that is going to be an, just a nice moment. It's a shame he didn't get to do it at Levi's, but yeah. yeah. And if he doesn't get comeback player of the year, then there's something definitely wrong. <laughs> comeback player of the century. Of the century, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, th- I mean... Washington has just started putting it together and we are just look like we're imploding. So, you know, I'm nervous about this game. I, I, well, I don't know if I'd say nervous. I just, I don't think we're going to look very good. I suspect if, if we've learned anything from last week, we'll lean on the run game heavily and hope to break off a few big runs, score a couple of touchdowns and that might be enough for it. I'm not sure I see it going that way though. Um, Washington still have the division to play for insanely Um, so yeah I can see them having a bit more uh, impetus here having said that of course we're all being very cautious and very down on ourselves after last (laughs) week's game and two weeks ago we were going we're going to win the division so my (laughs) guess is that now we've said all that we're going to cream them Well, that I would be okay with. (laughs) That is another, to be fair, in a pretty terrible season, that is another bright spot, is that the Seahawks have suddenly started looking awful. Didn't didn't we all enjoy that game? Yay! (laughs) To be fair, they look fairly awful all year. It's just they were winning while looking awful. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to ask for predictions. I think we're too far gone for that. (laughs) Unless you guys really want to. I don't work out my predictions until Sunday lunchtime. And I'm going to stick with that formula because that's where I'm on the top of the pick six thing. (laughs) I'm not big on predictions. The only thing I'm willing to predict is that there's less than 22 total points in this game. Wow. Yeah, well, last game was only nine points, or last year against the uh, football team. That's hard to do. We've we've resorted to calling them the Washington Potatoes on Long Snapper because we we kept slipping and we figured that Redskin Potatoes are non-offensive. Uh, ah, oh, and I like Redskin Potatoes. Yum! A little olive oil, roast them in the oven with some garlic. There we go. Okay, sorry. That was another podcast I was listening to. Anyway, it's time to play the two-minute drill. I got two minutes on the clock. Are you guys ready? Yep. Yep. Yeah, go on. All right. If you insist. Steve, with that horror show, what was worse, the absent secondary or the non-existent online pass protection? The non-existent pass protection. Rich, has this performance showed the fact that Mullins is only a backup? No, I think most of his performances have shown that he's only a backup. He's he's a decent backup, but he's only a backup. <laughs> Steve, where are you going with our first pick in the draft? I would like to go offensive line. I think we need some uh, help in, inside in guard. Um, we the, the tackles, if we can keep Trent Williams, we're fine. Center, if we get Western Richburg back, we'll be fine. Nathan Tomlinson's be fine. Get another guy in there, and we can just plow the road all day. <laughs> Rich, with Salah presumably getting a head coaching position, could this be a blessing in disguise? 
I uh, don't know about Blessing in Disguise because any time you have to replace a coordinator it's always going to be a big question mark, you know, does the guy bring a new scheme with him, all that kind of stuff, is he really going to be the guy if he's being promoted to DC rather than someone with experience? I, I don't know that it's, I don't know that I'm decided either way on that. I don't know that it's a huge upside or a huge downside. Yeah, difficult one. Steve, would you promote Josh Johnson off of quarterback, off of the practice squad and start him this week? No. Let, let's go. Let's go with Nick. Let's go with Nick. All right, Rich. Are we going to tank? I don't think we're trying to tank. That's even better. <laughs> Steve, do you think playing in Arizona is a help or a hindrance? I have no idea. I'd like to think it's a help because we can get a bit of a crowd in, but it's a, the move. I think through a lot of players this year, this week. And we are out of time. We are over time, but that's okay. Rich often appears on your... Tell us about your podcast again. Yeah, so uh, I appear as a regular guest on uh, the Long Snap podcast, which is a bunch of guys basically sitting down, having a chat. Imagine a bunch of Brits sitting in a pub chatting American football. That's kind of where we go with our vibe. We're not necessarily statsy guys or anything like that. We, We just enjoy... Uh, throwing our opinions around and disagreeing with each other. Um, and my other podcast is a music podcast that I host with a friend of mine called I Might Be Wrong, uh, which nice. is also fun if you like music. Cool. So check him out. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Andy Mitchell, Daryl Nils-Hanman, Deepak Gohill, Graham Ross, James Little, Jason Argo, Mark Lyon, Nathaniel James, Neil Jepson, Paul McDonald, Rob Newell, Ross Irwin, Simon Holdsworth, and Stephen Box for all the work they do on the show and in the group. My apologies if I missed anyone. And if you would like to be involved in the show, just let us know. We're always looking for members to help out, contribute, or appear on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB, and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. Be sure you check out the Frequency 49 blog on Podbean or your favorite podcast site. You can also email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. On behalf of Steve Richardson and Rich Noonan, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Go Niners!